We're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and, um, and really what I consider just such an important chapter in the life of Saul. And we've been studying about Saul's attempts to kill David and David's fleeing and running, but, but here we just have a, a good picture of how sin can really take a person down a, a rabbit hole. And Saul is going to end up going to a, a, a fortune teller, a witch, to try to get some spiritual advice. Can you imagine that? And uh, here's a man that had God's hand upon him, was blessed of God, the Spirit of God was upon him. And so let's just read beginning in chapter 28 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare. Just a comment about this, when the Philistines gathered their armies together, uh, the Philistines don't just have one army, they have a number of armies. You know, uh, Achish, where, uh, where David went to see Achish, he was actually the king of Gath, that's one army. And, you know, of course, then you have the different places along the way. But he, so this is a massive a number of armies, and if you were, we'll get to this later, but in uh, over further in, in chapter, I don't know if I can even find it right now, but um, when they begin, these, these people began to assemble, there were just hundreds of leaders. I mean, it's incredible. So the Philistines are gathering their armies together to warfare, to fight with Israel. And Achish, who has become a, a factor, a person of importance in David's life, Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. You know what I can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. In other words, you're going to be like a, in charge of my security detail. You're going to watch out for my protection. So... Now, if you just started reading right here without following what's been happening in the last chapter or two, you, it may not seem that significant, but this is such a bad place that David is in. And why is he there? David, David is in Ziklag, which Achish, the king of Gath, gave him this city. David is in Ziklag, and this is an area of, of the Philistines. He ran because of his fear. And if you look in chapter 27 in verse 1, it says, David said in his heart, I shall not perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. So David's circumstances, he's thinking in his head, Saul's going to kill me. I have to run. He flees to Philistine territory. And I know I've mentioned this before and others have. But that's just incredible to think about. He's going to the hometown, really, of Goliath. I mean, imagine that. Going to this place, looking for a safe place. Going to the hometown of the Philistines. And so there, so David is there. And, and Achish gives him this country of Ziklag where David is going to take his soldiers, and they're going to, they're going to be in Ziklag. And while he's there, he's running these, um, these military expeditions, really 
uh, against in chapter 27, and we're not going to read that, but David is leading his men to go out and to conquer these Philistine cities. He, he kills them all. He wipes them all out, leaves no, no one left because he didn't want Achish to know what he was doing. And when Achish said, what are you doing? How have you been doing? He said, well, I've been going and making these attacks in southern Judah, which David was really being deceitful when he said that. He was going into south, south Judah, but he was killing Philistine people. He, he was killing the Amalekites. He was ki killing the enemies of Israel. So put yourself in David's place. You're living in Philistine country, and you're hiding out. You're, 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 still, you're still chiseling away at the Philistine armies, killing these enemies of Israel, but you're lying to Achish and saying that I'm doing your work. And David was so convincing that Achish said, I believe you. I believe you're doing this. So David is just, he's just backing himself into a bad place. And so now, now what happens? Now the Philistines have mounted this massive attack against Israel. And Achish turns to David and said, you've, you've convinced me that you hate Israel and that you're for us. And I want you, to, I want you and your men to fight for me. And now you're David, what are you going to do? You know, and, and basically what's happened is, it's just this, it's this scenario where you lie one time, and you've got to lie another time to cover it up, and you've got to lie another time to cover it up. And now he's in this place. And what is he going to do? Achish says, I want you to go with us. And David said, you know what I can do. And Achish says, then I'm counting on you, really. And so David is in a horrible, horrible place. And it's going to be interesting to see how God works all this out. But that's kind of what this chapter, how this chapter begins. And look at small letter D there um, under number one. This is an important lesson to consider. When we make decisions that lead us out of God's will, which is what David did, to run to the Philistines. He didn't have to go there. I'm just, I know this is all kind of repetitious, but... Why did David go there? Because he thought Saul was going to kill him. Why did he think Saul was going to kill him? Because he had this idea in his mind. But what, what had God already told David? You're going to be the king. So he's believing this lie. He runs in fear. He ends up there. So back to D there. When we make decisions that lead us out of God's will, it subjects us to de destructive temptations that could have been avoided. The only reason... The only reason that, that David, that, excuse me, that Saul is facing this crisis is because he's out of God's will. And now he's, he's faced a situation. I can't imagine sleeping at night knowing that I am Saul, uh, knowing that uh, David is, uh, that, that I've, I've, I've I'm knowing that I'm David, I've disobeyed God. In getting away from where I'm supposed to be, now I've got to face, now I've got to go out and face the fact that I'm going to take up arms against my own people. I mean, imagine being in that place. But he didn't have to be in that place. And this is not uncommon. This happens a lot. You know, just talking about David. If you read the episode of where David saw Bathsheba bathing herself and lusted after her, and committed adultery, that chapter begins with these words. At a time when kings go out to war, David stayed at home. 
If he had been out there where he belonged, he wouldn't have been tempt even tempted. He wouldn't have even seen Bathsheba. You know, think about Peter. Um, when Peter was following, when Jesus was being tried, Peter was following from afar off, the Bible says, warming himself by the fire. And that's when he was tempted to identify himself. He ended up denying the Lord, cursing God. Again, when, you, when we're in the wrong place, we're going to be facing temptations that God never intended for us even to face. God, and we can't blame God. Say, God, why did you let this happen to me? Really, we blame ourselves. That's why it's always important to stay in the will of God. Be where God wants us to be. You say, well, we'll be tempted. Sure, but we'll be tempted in ways, in places where, where God knew we would be, God, and God has promised to give us power and victory over those temptations. Lead us not into temptation. So, so let's, let's take up our text here in, in 1 Samuel 28. It's really an interesting, fascinating story. Now, verse 3, there's a verse that just is a bit of history, but it certainly applies to the rest of the chapter. It says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Now that obviously is important because Saul is fixing to start asking for a, a fortune teller, a, a wizard. And, and also it's significant because Samuel is dead, which created this vacuum because Saul needs somebody to go to. He, he needs direction. And uh, so he can't reach Samuel. Samuel's dead. All the, all the witches are supposed to be gone. Now verse 4 and 5 tells us, And when the Philistines gathered themselves together, came and pitched in Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. So these two armies, massive, massive assemblies of opposing armies. And verse 5 says, And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he saw the number, the sheer number of those enemies he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled and so he is he's afraid he's in a bad place so it says in verse 5 or 6 excuse me and when Saul inquired of the Lord which is kind of an interesting thing to think about isn't it he's not in the habit of seeking God he's running from God he's disobeying God when he inquired of the Lord the Lord answered him not neither by dreams. He was just looking for any indication. What, and, and, and he's going to say in a moment, he wants to know what to do. Neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. No one, no one could give him any direction at all. He needed advice. And, uh, you know, we've probably all been there when we knew we weren't doing some things we should be doing or we weren't handling things the way we were supposed to handle them or we weren't really obeying God fully and then all of a sudden we need God's help. We need God's direction. And that's exactly where, where Saul was. So he does, he takes another step, another avenue. Verse 7, Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. 
So now he's going to ask for someone to give him some, some spiritual guidance. And this is not just, um, it's not just a crystal ball. He's asking somebody who dabbles in demonic activity, who, who actually says that they can talk to the dead, those kind of things, and is going to ask for them to advise. I, I, I find it interesting, and I don't know the answer to this. Why he says, find me a woman that hath the familiar spirit. And I started thinking about that. You know, um, now I have no experience with fortune tellers. <laughs> Closest thing I have to a fortune teller is my wife. She can, she can straighten me out on the future sometimes. But I, seriously, I have no experience with, with uh, crystal balls, astrology, fortune tellers, none of that. But from what, I, from what I know, what I see, it does seem like most of them are women. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I'm not saying they're not, they're all, they're not, I don't, and I don't know the answer to that. But, but he, he didn't say, seek me a wizard or a medium. He said, seek me a woman that's a medium. So if you find the answer to that, you can let us know. So what did he do? Or they said, they said, we know, we know where one is. Now, keep in mind, he's already, he's already banished all of them from the country, Saul has. But they knew exactly where one was. <laughs> yeah, we know where one's. We saw the sign. We see these signs in our travels a lot, fortune telling, you know, different things. And uh, we go in every once in a while to check. No, we don't. <laughs> Verse 8. And Saul disguised himself and put on an other raiment. He got off his his uh, kingly garments, and he disguised himself. He, he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit. So in other words, there's no question. He's talking to this woman. I want you to, I want you to get into your, your uh position as, as a medium so you and you can get this evil spirit to give you give you the ability to contact this is creepy stuff isn't it I mean this is really weird stuff and bring him up whom I shall name unto thee didn't tell her who he wanted to talk to but but just this is what I want you to do verse 9 and the woman said unto him behold thou knowest what Saul hath done of course she didn't know this was Saul Thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? Why are you in here asking me to do something that is illegal? We've already, they've already been uh, sent out of the country, supposedly. Verse 10, And Saul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. I'm... I'm I'm promising you there will be no repercussions. You will not be punished for this. And notice his words in verse 10. He swore to her by the Lord. And then he says, as the Lord liveth. I'm, I'm invoking God's name. Uh, he's talking to a witch. Saying, I'm invoking God's name to protect you, a witch. That's crazy, isn't it? But, but you know, it's, it, it, it's, again, 
It's not uncommon for people who are really in a bad place spiritually to act like and talk like, you know, God's with me, God bless you, God, you know what I'm saying? It's just words, it's just vain words. And so, so just a couple of uh, verses here. Let's look at these together and under D there, under number two. What the Bible says about this kind of behavior, go first of all to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And, and uh, you never know, this, for those of us who are here, this is probably familiar territory to think about. But you may never know, you may run into somebody that says, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, have you checked your astrology lately? And you can say, here's, here's some insight for you. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 9 which, by the way, that's all the same stuff. You're looking to the stars for guidance. You're looking to, it's all, it's all evil. Verse 9, when thou, art, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. This is what the Lord is saying to his own people. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That's evil worship. Or that useth divination. See, that's what Saul just asked her. Get, find somebody that can divine for me. Or an obser- observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. It's pretty specific, isn't it? Or a wizard, or a necromancer. These are people who talk to the dead. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. So so God told, through Moses, God told Israel, we're not going to have any of this in our country. This is not going to be a part of what we do. We're not going to, we're going to. Don't, and they're, going to, they're like that in the world, but don't you be like them. And then this other verse in Leviticus, um, which is a little bit different, talks about the same subject. Leviticus chapter 20, in verse... And the soul, verse 6, And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits... Someone who turns to such as have familiar spirits after wizards to go a-whoring after them, looking to them. I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. So, I mean, Saul had to know these things because Saul himself had made a decree that none of this is going to happen in Israel. It It must have been going on in their land, and it was a part of the Canaanite culture. But he says, we're not going to have this. So Saul... Saul, had, uh, he's going against everything that he knew was right. So anyway, he's, he tells her, tells the woman, let's go back to 1 Samuel 28. He tells her, he says in verse 10, I'm, nothing's going to happen to you, verse 11. Then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? Who do you want me to bring from the dead? And he said, bring me up Samuel. So he let her know what he you know, what's he want? He wants some advice. It's pretty desperate, isn't it? God won't talk to him. You know, none of the, nobody else will talk to him. The prophets won't talk to him. Nobody can give me advice. So he said, I want to talk to Samuel. Verse 12, and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, what hast thou, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. 
Now, we don't know how she knew by seeing Samuel that this was Saul, but she knew it. And, and so um, the fact that she was so shocked, she cried with a loud voice. And, I, you know, we don't know why she was so shocked. I think part of it was, I think I put this in the notes, was because this was all a scam. A lot of this was a scam. Now, it's dangerous stuff. And, I, and, and by the way, people who do this stuff, people are really into this stuff, I believe they do communicate with evil spirits. And that's what makes it so dangerous. This is not just a game. This is serious stuff. But it's also, there's also a lot of gimmickry and, you know, uh, giving you a forecast that is so general that it could apply to anybody. In other, so I think when, when he, she actually saw this image and she recognized it as Samuel, I think it really, it really did freak her out. I thought, what have I done, what have I done now? You know? so, so she cries out. Now on the back side of the notes, let me just address this briefly. You know, there's a lot of, you know, if you were to study this passage and look to a lot of commentaries and read what others say about it, which I do that from time to time, there's a lot of different opinions about what's going on. But, but one thing I think, two things I know that I think are going, number one, she is actually working through an evil spirit. I believe she, that's what she does. But number two, I believe she really did get in contact with Samuel, which is, which is not an endorsement of what Saul was doing. I mean, if you're thinking right now, man, I would like to, I would like to talk to John R. Rice about something going, you know what I'm saying? Don't go there. You know? <laughs> That's not a good thing to do. But I believe that I believe Samuel literally did communicate because of what we see following that. And so, so in verse 11, um, the king said unto her, Don't be afraid. What, what are you seeing? Tell us, what are you seeing? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods, little g, gods, ascending out of the earth. She saw these images, something, people that were in the, the world of the dead, really, ascending out of the earth. That's, that's the only way she knew to describe it. Verse 14, and he said to her, Saul said to her, well, what, what form is he of? What does he look like? What's his appearance? And she said, an old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. He humbled himself. He, he, he really believed this was Samuel, and out of respect for Samuel, he humbled himself. He bowed to the ground. Now in verse 15, notice this. And Samuel said to Saul. Now Samuel's not talking through, now she's not, he's not talking through this woman. He's talking directly to Saul. Samuel's speaking to Saul, we don't know if this is an audible voice. You know, it very well could be. We don't know. It was, it was it's truly amazing what's happening. And Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? By the way, I think if we could talk to people that are on the other side, probably they'd say, why are you bothering me? I'm happy where I am. And so Saul answered. Saul is going to explain to Samuel his predicament. I am sore distressed. For the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more. God will not say a word to me, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. 
I had those words highlighted in my Bible. What I shall do. That's what, that's what Saul is telling him. I need, I need help. I need direction. Please tell me what I'm supposed to do. And um, Samuel responded. Look in verse 16. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me? seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy. Now, that's a pretty direct response. Why aren't, just this, think about this, Saul. Why are you asking me? If God won't talk to you, if God won't give you any direction, if nobody else will give you, why are you, why are you speaking to me about this? And now Samuel is going to lay out before Saul, really, what his brief future looks like. And it's a very brief future. Um, Let's just begin reading in verse 17. And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, talking to Saul, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath he done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, think about this, Saul, tomorrow shalt thou... And thy sons be with me, where Samuel is. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. So that's a mouthful, isn't it? That wasn't what Saul was hoping for. Samuel said, the kingdom is going to be taken from you, and it's going to be given to David. And... This should, not be, this should not be a surprise to Saul. Hold your finger right here in 1 Samuel 28. And let's go to 1 Samuel 15. I have that, that text in the notes. 1 Samuel 15. This is after Saul's disobedience with Amalek. Remember, God told Samuel, I want you to kill Amalek. I want you to take everything that's theirs. I want you to kill Agag, the king and all this. And yet... Saul spared Agag, he spared uh, the, best of the, the best of the livestock, and this was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. So look in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 26. And Samuel said unto Saul, 1 Samuel 15, 26. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. You know, when I read that, I wonder, you know, when the medium said, I see an old man with a mantle, that this might have been describing this same mantle like that Samuel had. Verse 28, And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Now he didn't identify him as David here, but Saul shouldn't have been surprised by this. So 
when Samuel come, when Samuel is speaking to him, he says to him, you know, the kingdom is going to be taken from you, and it's because of your disobedience. Very, Saul, Saul don't be, don't misunderstand what's caused this. Now, there's a, there's a really a lot to think about in this. To me, one is, I don't know exactly how long it had been since the since Saul's disobedience with Amalek. But Samuel told him, Samuel told Saul, in no uncertain terms, the kingdom's going to be taken from you. So we don't know how long exactly it happened, but, but Samuel's come back from the dead to say, this is exactly what you were told. The kingdom's going to be taken from you, and it's going to be given to, some, to your neighbors, what it said over there. And, verse 19 Israel is going to be delivered into the hands of the Philistines. And notice the language in verse 19. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. And where is he? It's a good question, isn't it? Where is he? And, um, you know, what the Bible teaches is, Go to Luke. We're not going to turn to Luke's gospel. But when you read in the Luke, gospel of Luke about the rich man that died and Lazarus died. And the rich man uh, was in torment and Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and they could see each other. You remember that? And would you send somebody? Uh, that's where, that's where the, the land of the dead was through the Old Testament era. There, because until Jesus had died and his blood had been shed and Put on the mercy seat. They didn't go directly to heaven. It was a place. Jesus called it paradise, and that's really where these people. That's where Samuel was, and some people have never thought about that. They've never really researched it. They think people in the Old Testament went directly into heaven, but really they they went to a place where the where they were where a place where they were in a holding holding tank holding pattern. Now the people that were saved, it was paradise. It was a great place. But the people that were lost, they were in torment. They were in a bad place. But, but once, once uh, Jesus died, then those, that's why you see in Matthew when people were walking around in Jerusalem after Jesus died, old, people that had already passed away because they, they stopped off in Jerusalem on their way to heaven. But anyway, so you're going to be with me. It's a, great, it's a great thing to think about, isn't it? You're going to be with me. You're going you, to die tomorrow, and you're going to be with me. Who had your hand up? Gary? Yeah, yeah. Abraham's bosom. That's where, that's how it was described by, the, by Lazarus in Luke's gospel. Because Abraham was there, Noah was there, Moses was there. This is where they were. And that's where, and by the way, this is, uh, doesn't really, it, I guess it pertains indirectly, but uh, I believe Saul was, was a believer. You know, he had the Spirit of God on him. You know, he was God's choice. But it just shows how far away a person can go from God's will. So, in the verses that follow this, verses 21 and following, you know, Saul's servants and this woman tries to get him to eat. He hadn't eaten all day night at night. He went there in the nighttime, and he, won't, he refuses to eat. But finally, they convinced him to. Which, again, this is interesting to me, just verse 24. The woman had a fat calf in the house. That's a good place for a cat, right? A fat calf in the house. And she hasted and killed it. 
took flour and kneaded it, baked unleavened bread. In other words, it wasn't just like you throw something in a microwave. You know, you kill the animal, you bake the bread. You know, it takes a while, right? And uh, so they're going to feed him. And the last part of verse 25 says, Then they rose up and went away that night. So they went back. Imagine what must have been on Saul's mind as he left there knowing that uh, tomorrow is going to be the end of the journey for him. Now we're going we're to see that. By the way, this battle, that is, this battle that's coming together, that will be the last, that will be the, what will take him uh, out into eternity. But we have t- two chapters in between that that we'll talk about the next two weeks. But just some discussion here at the bottom, principles and application, just to kind of finalize this. We see in David's decision when to flee, to go to Ziklag, to go to Achish, to go to Gath, how it put him in a great strait. And, and I've already emphasized this, but just to say it again. You know, when we make steps out of God's will, we are, not, we are totally incapable of knowing what the circumstances, the consequences are going to be. And that's true of anything. When we, d- when we decide on a path that is not God's will, and, and the, it's foolish to think, well, it'll only affect me. It affects other people. It affects everybody. B, one way that we can sometimes re- relate to Saul's experience was here he, he rid the country of all of these witches, and now he's in a place where he's going going to God to direct him. That's, that's, that's actually C. But B and C go together. And, and that's really, to, when I read that, I think, you know, this is what people, this is a good example of how life happens sometimes. When Saul was close to God, he knew it would be good to get rid of these the people, get them out of the country. We wanna, we're going we're gonna to have our life pleasing to God. But then when he's far away from God, now he's going to those people. And you might say, well, what's the connection? The same thing happens to us. When we're close to God, we make decisions like, I don't want this in my life. I don't need this in my life. This is what I want in my life. But then all of a sudden we get away from God. We're re- rethinking all those things. Well, maybe it wasn't so bad to have this in my life. And, it, and it's a classic example in, in Saul's life here today. And so, and of course, without, goes without saying, but small letter D there. You know, all of this stuff is wrong for believers. All of this fortune-telling, astrology. I've said this many times in this study. The life of Saul, to me, is one of the most fascinating um, biographies in the Bible to see how man can go from being a servant of God to being in such a place that he's consulting with witches. I mean, you know, how does it get any any darker than that? And yet, you know, if, that just goes to show we, have to, we need to stay as close to God doing God's will because we, we don't know where this path might lead us and lead those around us. We've seen it in people that we know and people that we love. We think, man, they once stood for the truth, stood for right, and then before you know it, fast forward a few months, a few years, and you think, how did they ever get there? And, that, and they get there the same way Saul got there. Just one bad decision after another. And really, it's interesting. Saul said to this 
to Samuel and to this witch. I need to know what to do. Well, you know what he should do? He should repent. He should repent of all the evil he's done, all the bad decisions he's made, humble himself. But that's not, he didn't want to do that. And by the way, there comes a time, we see it here, we've probably seen it in our own lives, people we know, there comes a time when God just says enough is enough. Don't, you know, I've, I've told you, I've warned you, I've told you, I've warned you, and now you're, knowing, now you're saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Well, get right with God. That's what you need to do is get right with God. 